Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to the show. The name of the show is Willie Show Recovery Stories. I'm your grateful garbage head in recovery. My name is Willie. I'm joined here by my favorite co-host in the entire world, Webmaster Zeta. Hello. Yeah! It's loud. It's aggressive. It's okay. It's okay. We're going to wake everybody up. We're going to wake up, everybody. You know, there's people... Actually, that helped wake me up a little. Is it good? You got your coffee. You got everything going. So if this is your first time here with us at the good old Willie Show Recovery Stories podcast, we are a recovery podcast exploring addiction and recovery through inspiring personal accounts. And honestly, you know, a lot of times I would tell people to go back and listen to earlier episodes, but if you're a first timer, I think this is a pretty good this is a pretty good uh, representation of who we are and what we're doing, right? You'd yeah, say so? I would say so. We got an incredible guest today. His name is Scott. Yes. He runs his own podcast. It's a running podcast. He runs his own running podcast <laughs> called The Unsponsored Athlete. It's incredible. He's got two episodes available wherever you listen to your podcast. Basically, I think he's on Spotify and Apple right now. I've listened to both of them. They're awesome. He's such an inspirational character. Um, Yeah, so it's been a crazy week. So crazy. Our son graduated from high school last night. Yeah. So, say, yeah, you guys, you know what's coming. Yeah! Congre- a special congratulations to Noah and to all of the graduates of the class of 2023. 2023. And I've been struggling all week. Yeah, you have. Yeah, I have. And, uh, you know, um, I was the graduating class of 2003. And I've spent all week in this like tremendous state of fear and guilt and shame and running through my life and beating myself up. And uh, I actually had to call my sponsor yesterday yesterday morning about it and just do a 10th step, which if for people that don't work a 12 step program, a 12 step, uh, a 10 step is um, continuing to take personal inventory. And when we're wrong, promptly admitting it. And when you recognize something like fear you know, you, you, you do some work around it. And, um, but what was incredible is, um, last night at the graduation, you know, and seeing Noah get his diploma and stuff. Mm -hmm. And of course I cried, right. (laughs) Of course I cried. Um, I was able to like, let all of that stuff go, you know, cause when I'm qualifying at like a meeting and stuff, I always tell people, I like, I always paint this story that I was like such a horrible father. You know, and that like I drank his whole life and, and yada, yada, yada. And um, maybe some of that's not true. You know, maybe some of it. Just because that's what was going on, that doesn't mean you were a bad father. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and Noah, Noah loves you. <laughs> Noah has no, you know. he's um, the, He doesn't treat me like he's got deep-seated resentment. Exactly. He doesn't. Um, and, you know, Noah and I have heart to hearts and he's he he loves you and he's he's so proud of you. So I think that's like what he thinks about when he thinks about you. So. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And it's like um, part of it is as a dad, you're just like you're thinking about the future and what the heck. How, how's my son ever going to be an autonomous human being? And, da, 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 and 
And I realized last night that, like, I spent the first 18 years of his life having fear that he'd never be able to graduate high school. Mm -hmm. And here I was last night watching it all happen. So I got this kind of, like, feeling like it's going to be okay. Yeah. You're not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) I've been been freaking out myself. So So anyways, um, yeah, it's just incredible. And um, it was very special. And how that all relates to this episode is, is you know, I mean, Scott's a father and he deals with a lot of his own guilt, shame and remorse. And um, so it's just that kind of, it's funny how I'll record a podcast like I recorded this last week and then I'll live a lot of the interview throughout the week. So, mm-hmm. Scott, so the two things that are going on with this podcast this week is like on one hand, I want to get Scott's recovery story out. Right. But on the other hand, I listen to his podcast and I'm like, wait a second, this guy runs ultra marathons, which doesn't even make sense. It's a hundred mile races through the woods. <laughs> He's, you know, very excited about his own personal health. And I'm like, I am very terrified about like I want like, you know, I've I've been doing what I can to stay sober a day at a time. And I don't really feel like I have the you know desire to go back out and use. But like, I don't feel healthy. You know, I smoke a lot of cigarettes, I eat terribly, and I don't exercise. So while I'm trying to get Scott's story out, I keep getting derailed <laughs> because all I want to talk to him is about, like, I want beginner's tips on, like, how to become a healthy person, you know? Yeah. So you're so if you're listen, the to the person listening right now, like, you're going to hear a lot of, like, me jumping back and forth between. But don't worry, getting we get tips. back to his story. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm like, but wait, like. So I make this podcast for myself, right? Like I'm, I'm not my number one fan, but I am the number one fan of the show. <laughs> like I love, like I, I literally will record this, edit it up, and then immediately go and go back and listen to it, even though I've already listened to it. So, you know, and every and every single guest has like really helped me, um, like on an, indi- an individual level on my own like journey and recovery. And so there's so many aspects to being spiritually well mm-hmm. and i think physical health is a is the it's huge it's huge right yeah. and it's like the it's the next frontier mm-hmm. for me so since i recorded this i well i i tried to stop smoking cigarettes which i'm completely powerless over i can't just you know i'm addicted to cigarettes mm-hmm. i'm addicted to nicotine yeah which isn't an abnormal reaction to nicotine if you if anyone else i smoke about 50 cigarettes a day so if anyone smokes 50 cigarettes a day the common thing that would happen to you is you become addicted to nicotine so it's difficult you know um so i so i went one day where i was not going to smoke at all and i made it to like 11:30 and you know i've cut down my tobacco usage so been smoking about five to seven cigarettes a day for a week which is much better than 50 but of course i beat myself up because i'm like i know um so that's good and i've been eating better Mm -hmm. i've been making more conscious decisions about what goes into my body and i'm and and i i woke up this morning and the first (laughs) thing i did and um to those of you listening on this dreary saturday it's like a two-thirds rain you know, so I get up and it's really hard to get out the door and I ran a mile and a half. Look at that. In one week, all these things you're doing. This was my second run because I have a secret coach in recovery and it's not Scott. I wish Scott <laughs> was my secret coach, but someone just kind of jumped in Aww. and she knows who she is. She And you know who she is. 
she's incredible. And she gave me some really good solid tips. She was like, you know, you're not going to want to, you can't go out running every day. Your body needs to recover. Start with a five minute walk, then do a 30 second run and then do a 30 second recovery walk, then a 30 second run. So I've been running with like a stopwatch. And so, you know, today was my second run and it's like learning how to breathe. It's like Mm -hmm. literally learning how to breathe for me. It's very difficult. But it feels good. And then I, you know, get my little breakfast in, which I haven't done yet because I'm freaked out because I haven't put out the podcast <laughs> yet. And um, getting it done. Getting it done. So that's a lot out of me for today about uh, my own personal struggles with, you know, being more physically fit. Because mm-hmm. now that I'm feeling more spiritually fit, like I want to explore. I think there's a deeper yeah. level to this game, this <clears throat> recovery game, you know. Yeah. I mean, my mental health is probably better than it's ever been in my life. And my spiritual health is that I'm connected. I'm, I love you guys. If you want to reach out to me and tell me that this is way too long of a oh, dialogue, if you want to stop saying that. Well, I'm trying to get people to write me in. So I want to, I would oh. like the emails. This is my lead into <laughs> like, stop contact us up. at Willie show podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. If you're like <laughs> webmasters, Ada and stop beating yourself up, then tell me to stop beating myself up. Um, we love hearing from you guys. I love recording this podcast this thing isn't going anywhere no not right now we we put a lot of heart and love into this thing so it's a growing it's a growing podcast i have a personal goal to where my personal goal for the podcast is like if i put out i want to put out a podcast every week and get 100 listens a week yeah right and we're we average 50 we average 50 so if you um, are a returning listener, I encourage you to go back into your Spotify's and Apple's and find those episodes that you didn't get to hear yet and listen to them because every story's been incredible. It has. If you're a first time listener, welcome to the show. Um, this is this this interview. I, I, you know, I only met Scott at uh, Farmer Will's celebration and was like, "Dude, you want to be on a podcast?" He's like, "What the <laughs> yeah. heck? What are you talking about?" And then he emailed me. Yeah. And say, hey, you know what? I want to be on this podcast. So thank you so much to Scott. He, what do you think? I think he was so vulnerable. Yeah. He really um, was honest and it's endearing. And when I think of Scott, I think about resilience. Mm -hmm. He's an athlete. He's a, you know, a vet. He's an incredible human being. He's an alcoholic. He's an addict. He's a man in recovery and a father. And I just, I, I couldn't have been happier to hear his story i think it's so inspirational so you guys are really in for a treat today so what do you think you want to get right into the deal let's do it let's do it let's hear from scott the unsponsored athlete Tell you, you can use whatever you want. Yeah, that's okay. I haven't been recording yet. Now we're in. Now I mean, we're locked into the deal. Can't beat this for weather right now. It's beautiful out here. 68 degrees. I rode my motorcycle to work today. So beautiful. You like riding the bike? What kind of bike do you got? 
got a Harley Road King. Oh, I bet. <laughs> okay. Do you take life pretty serious in general? Yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. Such a long beat. I, I'm, I keep thinking about changing this thing up. It's, it's, I like it, but it's long. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the program. We're here with my friend Scott. Well, I, I mean, that might be presumptuous to call you my friend. I'm hoping you're one of my new buddies in this world. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. that's how this thing works in recovery. Yeah. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? So, uh, I'm Scott, and um, what else do you want to know? I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Oh, no. There's yeah. no I'm doubt a, about it. You know, I, it's funny because I always introduce myself um, as an alcoholic, or qualify as an alcoholic, whatever, but... I, um, I could easily say I'm an addict. I, I'm yeah. definitely an addict. Oh, yeah. my story is full of drugs, and uh, but I don't. I feel. I just say I feel like alcoholic qualifies me, and that's that's enough. You know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of interesting th- for me with drugs. Like um, I loved. I it's one of my. I give the people who've listened to this program many times know that when we start talking about drugs, I get very very excited. I I could have a PhD in chemicals and how they've affected my body, but um, you know, alcohol has always been baseline. You know, it's like I, I was always at that point without, you know, it was like I always took out, it was always alcohol, and then that was a jumping off point. Oh, for sure, yeah. And, and you know, for me, um, I never thought alcohol was the problem. I always thought me drugs either. were the problem. Me I was either. like, if I could just stop doing that drug, if I could just stop doing that drug, I'll be good. And I'll just drink. Yeah. But, but you know, when I drink, my, my head goes straight to straight to drugs. That's right. what I want. So I always told people... Since I got sober, that I have the ABCs, which is alcohol becomes cocaine, mm. and that, that that's been a no good experience in my lifetime. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't think of one time uh, that I ever picked up a drug without drinking first. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You like, know what I'm drink saying? first, yeah. and then hey, I should go do this. I was a, a you know over 20 years daily pot smoker, so I really didn't draw a sober breath from the time I was like 12 to the time I got into rehab in 2019. But um. You know, I would literally, like, wake up and fly down to smoke a bowl. Pot was the only thing that I could do without alcohol. All other drugs, though, was alcohol first. Yeah. You know. I never really got into pot. I mean, of course, I smoked it in high school a little bit, but there were times in in, in my life where um, I tried to stop drinking and tried to stop using drugs by mm-hmm. using pot. Yeah, that's miserable. It just didn't work. That's horrible. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you. Pot makes me thirsty. Um, pot makes me stupid. It makes it turns me into a vegetable. I'm like, I cannot function. I don't know how people function yeah, on, on, yeah, on weed. I know. I just, it's not and, me. and there's a lot of good social marketing that's very pro cannabis, and and that's fine. It's just not safe for me in my recovery in any way, shape, or form. I had to learn that the hard way. And, uh, yeah, like uh, I, I have no idea how, how people drive a car when they're stoned. I, I couldn't I do took it. My, I took my driver's license high. Wow. On purpose so that I could say to people, well, the state of New York. You know, gave me this license while I was high. That was my justification as a kid. <laughs> wow. As a kid, we just used to drive all over the place, drunk and stoned, yeah. and back roads. And um, so, the other significant things that I'm really excited. So, I'll even tell you. Um, yeah, there's a lot of times when I have like kind of like a, like a background idea of certain things that I'd really like to talk to and steer. And so, I eventually. But I would like to get. Um, I was telling you before. I'd like to get like the biography of your alcoholism. But I'd really like to talk about um, you. Your your experience with health, with exercise, with running. Uh, you have a podcast that we were talking. I'd listened to today, which is fantastic, called "The Unsponsored Athlete." Yep. Which for someone, 
coming from the recovery side, I was, you know, I'm terrified. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, Scott's unsponsored. But that's not what you're talking about at all. You're talking about uh, amateur athletes in the Hudson Valley, right? That's the gist yeah. of the podcast. Yep. It's a phenomenal show. It's funny you use the word amateur because uh, I, I looked up the word amateur and, and there's <laughs> – it uses the word inept, you know. Uh-huh. It, which that's is, not what you're talking about at all. Well – That's not who you're talking to. No, no. Uh, but but it's funny you use the word amateur because a lot of the people around here – well, most of the athletes, all of them that I'm going to talk to you are am- amateur athletes. They're not mm-hmm. pro. They don't get paid, mm-hmm. you know, to do what we do. But um, – <clears throat> But in the sense of the word, yeah, we're we're amateurs. Yeah. So. One of the things you talk about on your program quite a lot is an ultra marathon. Yeah. What's an ultra marathon? So an ultra is uh, any race that's over the marathon length. So the marathon mm-hmm. length is twenty six point two miles. Mm-hmm. So there's a fifty k. So so a marathon is is forty two k. Anything over forty two forty two k. So there's a fifty k, which is at like thirty one something miles. That's mm-hmm. an ultra. And then anything beyond that. You were talking on your episode about something with 100 miles? Did I get that wrong? Yeah. No, no you didn't get it wrong. 100 miles? No. Yeah. What's the name of that race? Uh, well, the first 100-miler that I ran was... Uh, and Ro- completed? Yeah. was Rocky Raccoon 100, and that was in Huntsville, Texas. 100 continuous miles. Yeah. That's incredible, brother. I know. I mean, that's really <laughs> and I, say, a, I know because, you know, dude, I... I because like, you went through it. You know way more than I, I have no idea what I, I that was, would be I like. was way more amazed at what, what I could do than than I thought anybody else would be. You know what I'm saying? Like, people are like, holy crap, I can't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, right? Do um, you consider that a, a part of the gift of the power of recovery? Or do you think that your training, your military career, your stuff like that is really what gives you that ability or is it hard to separate those things no you know honestly i think it's a i think it's a combination of all of it okay um because uh when you practice doing hard things Mm -hmm. you get better at doing hard things right so like uh like recovery like recovery like staying sober a day at a time um and i've been running for 35 years dude I, i started running at 13 years old in eighth grade cross country uh, track actually, I ran track, and then I and then I ran cross country. So track and cross country from the eighth grade all the way through high school. I did a little bit of track, <clears throat> but I would smoke weed before the track, you know, yeah. practices, which was horrible. It was like my <laughs> feet weren't even touching the, the. Well, believe me, I was not. Um, I was not a poster boy for you know a uh, perfect track athlete in high school. I yeah, was doing so the same can, thing. I was, we can uh, we can kind of intertwine this with your with your story. Was this be- were you an athlete before you started drinking? How, when did alcohol come into your life? Kind of the same time. Uh so right in in the 8th grade when I was 13. Okay. Um I started running track and uh and I I would say right around 13 I found alcohol. Mm-hmm. I started I started drinking. I it might have been I might have had a drink earlier than that, but I don't remember. This but is I when really started Right. I really remember starting drinking uh, in the eighth grade because um, we go out back and, and drink uh, at the track. Sure. Um, after the meets. And then um, also in high school, I think it was in the I think we were in the ninth grade at the time when when our basketball team was really good and they made states. And did so you play basketball? I did not. That but was the one sport. I never made it for that team. I played soccer, football, baseball track uh wrestling which i hated wrestling that was a, <laughs> that's a difficult uh sport to train for i was the only kid on my wrestling team that went up a weight class oh wow 
Oh, my coach hated me. Yeah. Absolutely hated me. So, um, but basketball, I just, I didn't have uh, what it took. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I pretty much stuck with track. I played soccer for one sem- one one season only because striker. Of- Say again. Your position were you a striker? I was actually. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, you because the, because the, the soccer coach came and said, "Hey, you're a good runner. You need to come play soccer." So yeah. that's what I did for one one season. But uh, my basketball team they made states, mm-hmm. and so we would ride the spectator bus. And, oh yeah. And bring liquor with us. Of course. That's when. Was that know. your first experience with alcohol? Or first time being drunk? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I drank before that. My whole family uh, drinks pretty. Well, I don't want to say pretty heavily, but they drink a lot. They're you know, good the drinkers. Big beer drinkers. Yeah, it was. Uh, it surrounded every family function that we ever had. Sure. And, you know, that's so, pretty common. Which is common, right? It's that's not fairly anything common. You, you know, know, you're not outing I, your family. No, no, no. And I think about. <laughs> <laughs> and I think about how it was back then, though. Uh, it was so normalized. Right. You know, like there's a time when when. My brother and I were riding in the truck with my dad, and my dad was hammered. Yeah. Gets pulled over, and the cop says, All right. And this is a small town that I grew up yeah. in. It says, All right. Which was where? Let him drive. In, uh, it's called Broad Alban. It's in Fulton County. Okay. So it's in New York? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Up by the Sacond Dog Lake. Okay. A couple awesome. hours beautiful. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and the cop said, Let your son drive home. I'll follow you to make sure everything goes okay. We're like, Now, can right. you imagine that happening? Right. There's no, no not way. Not at all. I, uh, when I grew up, I would spend my summers in Wells, New York. Oh, yeah. So you know exactly where that is. Yeah. I don't know what county that is. That ha- that's Hamilton? Um, but it's pretty close to Sacandaga Lake. Yeah, I don't know. Sacandaga is Northville, isn't it? Yeah, Northville is uh, on the Sacandaga. It's on the northern tip of uh, okay. Sacandaga, yeah. So Wells would just be another 10 minute. And, uh, you know, I smoked my yeah. first cigarettes in Wells. I, you know, I had a lot of fun. And there's some, <clears throat> there's nothing like the Adirondacks. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Up there. I tell people all the time, like, I, <clears throat> I have no desire to go south to Florida in the winter, but I would go north to the Adirondacks every summer for the rest of my life. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the Sacandaga Lake is kind of, it's interesting because I grew up there on the Sacandaga Lake. Between the Catskills and the Adirondacks. Like, right. you have to go farther north to actually get to the Adirondacks, right. and you have to go farther south to get to the Catskills. So right. I grew up right between them. But there's lakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't need the mountains. Right. Right, yeah. So. It is beautiful up there. I love it. And yeah. and now, you know, luckily I have property up there, and, I, you know, we go. We is go that your connection to the outdoors? The other thing you talk about a lot on the podcast is that you don't like running on the road. You like running trails. You know, um... In all honesty, I've only been running trails for four years. Okay, since since I got sober. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, so that's uh, new. I've been a road mm-hmm. runner my entire life, mm-hmm. um, and I never found trails. I mean, I, well, I can't say that. I can't say that. I did run a couple races in Alaska, uh, trail races through the mountains, trail marathons, but it was just like I, I wasn't training for that, I, mm-hmm. and I didn't start running trails after that. It was just kind of, hey, I'll go run that race. And what it goes was through the trails. what was your events in track in high school? Were you uh, long distance always? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I ran uh, the the half mile, the mile, the two uh-huh. mile, and then whatever relays, relays like the two mile relay. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. And I actually, um, I think my one mile record still stands at Broad Open Perth. What I, is it? It was. Uh, Four eleven. That's all. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. I think about that now. Can you like, do it now? Yeah, really? Can you yeah. get in the fives, the sixes? I could probably get in the fives. Yeah, yeah. but that's not the type of running you do. So yeah. I, the question I'm trying to lead to is, is I'm very curious about: Is there anything? Was there anything? <clears throat> maybe 
you know, it's different if we talk about time. So I'm not asking this question about uh, what running's like for you now, but as a kid, was there anything that running or being an athlete did to you that was similar to what alcohol did for you? Um, Do you know what I'm getting at? Uh, was there anything about hmm. being an athlete that appealed to you? You know, in the well. same way, or, or running, <laughs> like you know, the runner's high, Ooh. or the 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 piece in the in the calm that only comes after a mile. Or I, I will say that, well, a couple things in high school. Uh, number one, it made me kind of popular, okay, because I was kind of good, and and so you know, everything all about me in high school was about fitting in, you know, yeah. because I had kind of low self-esteem and social anxiety. And, and, and so when I found drinking, I was like, if I drink, then I can go talk to people and feel okay. But then when I kind of got good at running, you know, I kind of got a little more popular and, 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 uh, uh, but I still had to drink, you know, right. But, but um, yeah. So for, I, I always, one of the things I say in my qualifications is like my drug of choice is attention. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. Which is, you know, um, so how did the drinking progress in high school? But did you ever get in trouble? Was trouble part of the game or or not really at that um, time? Well, I, I got kicked out of my house a couple times, you know, when my my dad was really strict. Although he was a heavy drinker, he was very he's he's never done any drug in his life. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, Fulton County's like uh you know, you go up there and some gas stations you can still rent VHSs and stuff. Like yeah. like it's like twenty years in the past. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it always has been. It's cons- very conservative and... Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. Um, but my dad was completely against us drinking, mm-hmm. uh, doing drugs, smoking in the house, whatever. And and so he found a stash in my closet one time. And so it was trouble like that. Um, I did get a... Actually, I didn't even get arrested this time. I'm thinking about this time where I snuck out of... The, I used to sneak out of the house all the time. All the time. And, and we'd steal the four-wheelers and go down the road. And, but anyway, uh, one time... A friend of mine uh, wanted me to sneak out, so we snuck out and and we stole his parents' car mm-hmm. and went cruising around Amsterdam. Came back and decided to drive through the sand pit with his mother's car. Got that one stuck. <laughs> went back to his house, got his dad's truck yeah. to try to pull out his mother's car. <laughs> yeah. Got both of them stuck. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm like. I'm out of here, and I go home and go to bed. And an hour later, the police are knocking on my door, mm-hmm. and my dad's like, "Huh." What? So you know, little stuff like that. But you I were never... raised in hell. But do you even connect that really to drinking? Not really. Not really. No. So there was a little bit yeah. of trouble here and there. Yeah. You know. Um, and what interested you? Um, and you, did you join into the military right after high school? Is that always a plan? Um, it was never a plan. No. Never um, a plan. No. No. So my plan was to go to college, but I sucked in high school. Uh huh. So. Uh, I went to a local community college for like one semester, mm-hmm. which was like a continuation of high, uh, yeah, continue yeah. the party. I know that experience. Uh, yeah. And so I made it one semester, dropped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started working at um, at this factory up in, in Amsterdam with a friend of mine, with a good friend of mine from track. And uh, he was joining the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's that all about? And so he told me and I was like, eh, OK, sure, I'll do that. And so we joined on the buddy system, and we went to the Marine Corps together. What's the bu- there's a buddy system? Yeah, but the buddy system is you go you go to boot camp together, mm-hmm. and you're in the same platoon, and then after that you go to Marine combat training together, and then after that is where you split off based on your MOS, your your job in the military. So uh-huh. my job took me in a different direction. He went 
he was a helicopter pilot, so he went somewhere else. What was the job that you were uh, preparing for? Accounting. Really? Government accounting. Yeah, so. I I say this now. I as would, a Marine. Yeah. Yeah. I would never even think about doing that now. Uh-huh. You know, but back then I was all about, um, I want to go to college afterwards and think about a job that I can get, that I can, um, that I can use when I get out. And so I'm like, I like accounting. Yeah, I want to do accounting. So, so I went uh, into the Marine Corps to do government accounting, and the plan was to to get out, use the GI Bill, and become an accountant. Okay, which obviously didn't happen. So, did you did you uh, and I, you know anything about your service that you don't want to talk about is fine. And thank you for your service. Thanks. Um, but um, you know, did you ever see any combat as an accountant? No. Did you actually become an accountant, or was that just something you trained for and they gave you so, get, took you somewhere else? No, I worked as a well. The, the official MOS was a fiscal budget technician. So okay. I was I worked in accounting offices. Uh-huh. Um, so my, my first duty station was, was Pearl Harbor, actually, in Hawaii. Oh, wow. In the Marine Corps. So I was there for about four years and, um, well, Do you have to keep, three uh, years do you have to keep, there. at that time, are you still running? Are you still keeping up? You know, once you get past boot camp and stuff as a Marine, is there a certain amount of physicality that oh, you yeah. have to maintain? Yeah, every unit does does PT every every day. So did you do you get comfort out of of of, of exercise and oh, stay, yeah. even now to this day? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, it's part it, of you. It's my yeah, definitely. Uh, it's like it's my meditation. Uh huh. Like, um, a hard workout when I'm when I just kick my own ass and I sweat like crazy. I love it. You know. So it's, so it's a euphoric. What's feeling. interesting is I asked you how it relates to your alcoholism, but I really can see more how it relates to your recovery. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and um, running has running has pulled me out of out of drinking or pulled me away from drug use and drinking mm-hmm. a bunch of times throughout yeah. my life. So you can't smoke pot in the military. No, that's just a, that's just not happening. Well, I'm sure you can. I'm sure people do. I mean, it's mental though because that stays in your bloodstream for 30 days. There's other things that you can use. Yeah. That are uh, harder to, you know, if you had a psilocybin addiction, nobody was going to find out about that. <laughs> you know, if you had a coke addiction, right. if you did it on Friday, well, by Monday, you know, you'd be fine. So what's, so there's a lot of mis, I feel like there's, I would have, I have misconceptions about um, uh, drinking in the military. I always thought it was really common. What, what was drinking like oh. in the, you know, is, I, how does drinking go in boot camp, and what's drinking like in Pearl Harbor? Is it acceptable? Is it shunned upon? So, um, I will say that boot camp, there's there's nothing. You're not drinking in boot no, camp. No, you got nothing. I mean, especially Marine Corps boot camp. You know, it's very very strict. It's the best of the best. Yeah, and, but I will say that uh, a friend of mine from home sent us a care package. Okay. And, uh, and usually the drill instructors will open your, well, not usually they do. They open every package and they go through cause they want to look at the contents. So you're not, you're not getting con- uh, contraband. Right. And a friend of mine sent us, uh, some Copenhagen and he wrapped it in tin foil and put it in something. I forget what it was, but he ended up getting some, some Copenhagen to us, which, uh, you know, it was like a real treat. And that sounds like a, yeah, it was great. Man, that it was sounds so great. Fant- We're up that in the middle fantastic. of the night in the, in, in the, in the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, doing with uh, some dips. With some dip, it was yeah. it was great. Yeah. Were you ever a smoker? Only when I was uh, using drugs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you don't use nicotine now. No. Wow, that's incredible. That's one of the. So, <laughs> so I make this podcast for myself, and I want to 
some learn some things because I'm at a wall with in my life where uh, you know I'm overweight. I'm trying to adopt some better habits in my life as far as eating. I need to to get into some kind of an exercise routine. I'm smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. Mm. You know, there's some unhealthy. You know, it's like I've, I'm I'm doing well in my spiritual life. My mental health is better than it's ever been. Um, and it's time to address because um, like. People can say, oh, they're going to go on a diet to lose weight. Or people can say whatever the fuck they want to say. But the truth is I just want to adopt some habits into my lifestyle, some basic habits. Yeah. You know, so I would love to get into any advice that you have. Um, We don't have to do that now, but it would be something, knowing what you do and knowing what your podcast is about, I'd love to see what you think would be great starting points for somebody like me who feels just like completely lost. Yeah. When it comes to something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that has to be, it's tailored specifically to each person because each person right. is, everybody's different, obviously. But, you know, I think it's all about habits. It's about creating new habits, mm-hmm. you know, and it's about being consistent with those habits and not like reaching too far. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to start running, you're not going to say, I'm going to go out and run five miles every day. You're not going to do it. Right. It's just not going to, it's going to be too much. And then you gonna be like, fuck this. I, can I swear? Oh yeah, uh, you know, like oh, this guy's the I limit. It, you yeah. know, so so, um, but consistency is key, um, and starting off slow, you know, and and starting off slow can can, it can be running, it can be lifting, it can be riding a bike, whatever you're doing, whatever mm-hmm. kind of exercise you exercises. I mean, you're look doing. what I, you know. We're looking at a 15 acre hayfield. I mean, it, wouldn't that be a great place to run, dude? You could you could run one lap around this field that I'm looking at right here every day, and that'd be a great start. Yeah. I started taking care of my health in um, October of 2022, and then I got, like, a weird injury, and I was out of work for a month, and I just, like, I went from, uh, you know, I was doing the whole no cheat, no dairy, no, you know, I was changing my diet and doing all these things, and then running every day, and it was, you know, it was, it's a good feeling. I have a fear. I, I, I stopped smoking cigarettes for three months um, in 2020 by using the program. Alcoholics Anonymous program. I, 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 uh, I asked my higher power for help with the obsession of the nicotine, and like that, you know, I said I, I'll do the part where I don't put the cigarettes to my lips. Just help me, and I, and I didn't smoke a day at a time for like three months. I went out on a resentment drinking, and uh, you, boom, yeah, there it was. Yeah. So now I'm back so, to you know. So can I ask why that. do you why do you smoke now? I this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's all <laughs> tied together. I have a feel. So when I did that, I gained a lot of weight. Like I've always been around two hundred pounds. Now I'm two thirty. I have a fear that if I stop smoking cigarettes, um, and I, I I'm afraid to ask my power, a higher power for help with that again right now, that I'm going to gain another twenty five thirty pounds. Mm-hmm. So I want to at the same time, and we'll get back to your story. It's <laughs> a long aside. No, it's cool. I, this at the same time as I'm. Not smoking a day at a time. I want to develop some healthy habits so I don't put on another 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. I want to optimize my health. Yeah. You know? I want to be that my son's 18. He just He's, he's graduating high school in, in, in a week or two. I want to be there for this guy. So, you know, one thing I do is uh, is um, I, I read a lot of books, and I mm-hmm. listen to a lot of podcasts, and I listen to a lot of audio books. And most of the stuff that I listen to is motivational. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that can be – there's a lot of different – types of motivational stuff but i listen to like uh stuff that um so for instance uh dr peter atia mm-hmm. uh he wrote this book about uh it's called outlive 
And I keep I always talk about this book. It's really long. It's like four or five hundred pages long, but it's yeah, I so could, maybe I can audiobook it. Absolutely. Maybe I could. But so, it's so, so good it's and it talks about it's Outlive. Outlive. I'll look it up. And uh, you know, he talks about the four major things that kill people in America today, and that is cancer, type two diabetes, heart disease, and neurodegenerative diseases. Mm-hmm. And 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 all the things that we can do um to to extend our health span not just our lifespan but our health span because you know i think about my father the last 10 15 years of his life was horrible it was all like it was this downhill slope where he was in the doctor's office two times a week he would yeah my father right now struggling diabetes too he's had sepsis yeah 13 times in the past three years right he's autoimmune you know and and a lot of that is um the bad habits you know Diet yeah. soda and things like that that leads yeah. you to a point where your body's exactly not reacting well to insulin. And there's so much that we can do to to extend our health span. Um, but like I said, it's it's all about creating new habits and sticking with those habits and being consistent with it. Um, and, and really, like uh, you know, you got to think about what you, you know. I think about what, what is my goal. My goal mm-hmm. is I don't want to just be healthy today. I want to be healthy, like you said, for your kids, right? For for in 20 years from now. Right, you know, when I'm uh, when yeah, I'm I had 70. to get so- I had to get sober for myself. I understand the the, yeah. the concept behind that. So, but you know, but I do want to be healthy for my family. Yeah, you know, and for, you know, it'd be nice to feel decent. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, you know, being in shape, it just feels good. You know, and and I know, dude. I've been out. I've been. You know, I know. I'm talking. I know. I'm talking to someone <laughs> who runs a hundred mile. <laughs> Well, I've been out of shape. There's been lots of times in my life where I've been out of shape, and I know what it's like. It's an uphill battle. But once you get to a certain point, once you get started— Is there an—so diet—what's more important, diet or exercise? I mean, they're—for me, I think they're equally important because you can start exercising but eat fast food every day and just feel like shit and have no energy. That's not going to do you any good. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you got to—I think you got to eat right to— you know, to have the energy level, yeah. Um, to to exercise and to make and to feel like you're doing something right. right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just wouldn't feel right if I were, um, if I were running every day and just not not eating healthy, not caring about what I eat, eating tons of sugar and you know. Sugar seems to be there. Seems to be a lot of science behind sugar really being. Um, sugar is one of the worst things we can eat. One of the but worst it's in every, things, and just about everything that we eat. Right. That's why they call it the sad, di- the, the sad, sad uh, standard American diet. It's sad. It's sad. It is because it's it's mostly, you know, uh, it's got tons of sugar. So and it's easy to avoid avoid eating sugar. I mean, you just go you to the grocery market do. and you yeah. and and make choices. Lots of vegetables and meat. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But I'm I'm by no means an expert on no. on this stuff. But uh, but how do know. we look? You know, in, in recovery, we're taught to learn little bits. You know, yeah. from each other. So. And that's why I read a lot too. Yeah. I, I try to you know, you know your your brain is a muscle, and you yeah, have to work absolutely. that muscle. Absolutely. And and reading is a great way to do it. I feel so. the same way about your spiritual life and your social life. You know, there's yep. there's something about um, <clears throat> there's something progressive about, and there, and there's something equal the amount of work that I put into my recovery. You know, that it seems to be equal what I've been getting out of it and I watch it with other people in the program when I see someone come in take commitments reach out to other alcoholics work the steps and go to a lot of meetings you know and I see another person um who's not at a place where they you know they have that kind of willingness a year from now they're wondering I've been going to all these meetings and you're watching this other person kind of flourish in these small ways like 
one of the things that AA gives us is like a social life because mm-hmm. you yeah, need a sure you need physical health, mental health, uh, and social health. Yeah, you know we we need to interact with other people as humans. You know, I think I think good things come out of hard work, out of doing hard things, and yeah. sobriety is hard work for me. Yeah. It's hard work yeah. because I have I always have all these dark thoughts that come into my mind, and you know, I have I. Sobriety has has taught me how how to deal with those thoughts. You know, I don't have to act on them. It's just a thought. Yeah, work through it. You know. Well, let's go back to the narrative. I mean, what was your thought life like in in the military? We were talking about boot camp and drinking a boot camp was n- nearly impossible. And I wanted to know about um, alcoholism in the military because you hear so much that there's so much alcoholism yeah. in the military. But I've heard from from friends that were in the navy or something like that 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 wasn't necessarily the case. So, what was your experience like? Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's certainly different with, depending on your location, depending on the unit you're with, you know, the people in that unit. Uh, for me, so I got stationed in, in Hawaii. Kaneohe Bay, actually, was my first duty station, which was on the other side of the island, other other side being opposite of Honolulu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I write about this, too, that uh, my, my first roommate, his name was Grant, and my introduction to Grant was I walked in and Grant was drunk, holding a forty ounce, uh, what was it? Oh, old English eight hundred, of course. Oe eight hundred, and I walk in and he grabs a, new, a fresh one and gives it to me. And yeah. my initiation was, you need to chug this forty of Oe. Yeah. Go to the back of the room and throw it out the door into Shit Creek. And there was this little nasty little <laughs> creek out. And we were on the we were on the third floor, and and that was mine. And then we surfed down Shit Creek with his surfboards. It was. Just craziness, you know. It was fun. That I'll agree. Fun. It was fun. I'm not gonna lie. It was you fun. Know, you're surfing on shit creek yeah. drinking OE. I mean, that, that to an yeah. alcoholic like me, that sounds like. But that. you know, there were lots of, uh, you know, I. And then when we moved over to the other side of island, uh, the island to Pearl Harbor, Honolulu's right there. I mean, mm-hmm. you go out. We, we we would always go out, you know. Um, and there were there were so many nights that that uh, you know the bars close at four, mm-hmm. PTs at five. Mm-hmm. That gives you an hour to get back home. And that's what you do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hammered. Hammered. And yep. did they know? Oh yeah. They had to have. So what and, they not, and not everyone's like that, but some of us. You know. Do they work you harder for PT? Do they make you suffer? Unless you're gonna, they're, you know, you're gonna have to suffer through some, it. Sometimes they did. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on it depends on who was running that PT session, but yeah, some guys uh, really beat the shit out of <laughs> out of us for that. But you know, you're running in formation, and you could, it just smells like a, you know. Oh God! It smells like beer and liquor because it's what's coming out thought, of your pores. What's your thought just... life like at the time? How are you in? You know, how do you feel about yourself? How are you internally? I mean, it was it was a. I thought it was a great time. You know, right. um, there's a lot of pride in being a Marine. And is um, that the is that and um, are you fa- are you familiar with the literature like the big book and stuff? Oh yeah, for sure. Is that um, is that like a Bill Wilson? I had arrived your military career. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, especially. So being a marine right. in Hawaii is it's inc- it's an it's an incredible feeling. Yeah, you're on top of the world. You yep. built yourself to this point. Yep. Okay. And um, you know we did a lot of partying, and uh, there was new waves of of hot tourist girls coming sure. in every other week, it's and Hawaii. like you know it was great. It was a yeah. lot of fun, and we did a lot of a lot of heavy drinking. And uh, you know I thought I thought at the time it was just fun, which it was. Mm-hmm. You know I didn't think it was I didn't think anything of it. You know, it's just we're just partying. That's all. Yeah. So. so how does it progress? I mean, how do you get to the point? At this point, is there any? 
Do you have any inclining like, are you looking at the way other, other Marines are drinking and saying that it's a little different for you? Um, do you feel like an alcoholic? You know, uh, what, I'm, you know what I'm getting at? So, no, I didn't feel like an alcoholic. No. no. I, um, we would always drink in the barracks before we went out, mm-hmm. and that was all of us. You know, So I, it wasn't anything that I was doing alone by myself. Um, but a lot of times, and now that I think about it, I never thought about it like this before. Right. Retrospect but I giving was, you clarity. A lot of times I was the, at the end of the night, I was the drunkest. Uh-huh. You know, I was never driving home for sure. Um, you know, I always closed down the bars when everybody else wanted to go home and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, but I didn't think, I didn't, I, I don't really think there was a problem because there was a lot in, during that time, during that four year span, there was a lot of training going on. And when you're training out in the field, you're not drinking, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going to the rifle range for two weeks, you're not drinking. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of breaks, you know, from drinking and a lot of hard PT. And this isn't like a daily thing. A da- drinking was by no means daily back no, then. It but was it was like, good binge drinking when it was, oh, yeah, when it was time, sure. it was time. Yeah. 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 And part of that is, uh, and I don't know that this is necessarily true either, but part of that is uh, what we believe as a society is stereotypical activities for 19, 20, 21, 22, whether you're in college, whether you are working the trades out of high school, whether you're in the military. It's, there's, a, there's a, you know, we have a, in sobriety, I've learned that a lot of wonderful people get sober at 20, 21, 22. Isn't that crazy? It's, a, it's amazing. I could never. I've had so many young people on this show, and their recovery is unbelievable. This is actually, I didn't realize this show would become, this podcast would become a showcase for how powerful, um, you know, people that are young finding recovery and what kind of messages they carry but um mm-hmm. but you know what i'm saying like part of 21 22 drinking in the military 20 it's it, it's acceptable yeah you know binge drinking yeah you well know. i wouldn't say just the military i, I would say Everywhere. in our society in our it's society. so normalized right now to be to, to have blackout and wake up and, and laugh about oh, i don't know what happened last night right it was funny did you have a lot of blackouts then um not really no. not really no not really so there was a time, uh, I'll, I'll move right into drugs. Sure. <laughs> so, well, well, yeah, well, how does it progress? I mean, how Well, do, it progressed know. really quickly for me. Okay. Um, and, and and this is the part of my story where there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of embarrassment. You know, like I said, I was a, I was a Marine. I was pro- I was so proud of being a Marine. And, right. And, and um, but at the same time, I still had that social anxiety and, and the need to fit in. So when I met my, my uh, when I met this woman that was going to be my wife, um, I would do anything to, to make her like me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, we were out and she wanted to get some Coke and I'm like, fuck yeah. Okay. Um, and you had no prior experience of cocaine at the time. Never. I'd never even touched it. Mm -hmm. So were you afraid of it? No, no, no. You'd heard that it might be like hamburger helper for your drinking. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I had heard that. Right, yeah. that you could drink, you could drink more. You could drink more. And and there's a what lot an of advertisement. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of gay clubs in Honolulu. Sure, well, there was when I was there. And and my wife was she's not gay, uh, and I'm but not she, gay. But that scene but was. We fun. would go to that scene because it's, a fun time. it's all techno music. Yeah, and it's and and when you're on coke and drinking and there's techno, it's like it's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. The yeah. lights, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, hand in hand. But where it really turned dark for me was was uh, when our drug dealer didn't have coke mm-hmm. uh, one night, and she said, 
Well, I have some crack though. Uh-huh. Hold on, hold on. Let's let's we'll fast forward back to that. <laughs> what was your first experience like with cocaine? It was amazing. You enjoyed the hell out oh, of it. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was mine too. Which is funny because we did it the first time I ever did Coke was on the on the back of a toilet seat. Mm-hmm. You know? In in a club. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm like, right. okay, whatever. Where else are you gonna do it? Yeah. <laughs> right. So Okay, good gotcha. Yeah, but it was gotcha. fantastic. It was uh And yeah. did you did you notice consequence from that? No. No. Not for a while. Cocaine well, it, didn't it, become a problem. It uh it wasn't long. Okay. It wasn't long that we were using coke before we before it moved into into crack. Okay, tell me about that. I'm very um, curious. So, yeah, like I said, um, you know, th- this uh, this dealer didn't have didn't have coke. She's like, "But I got I got crack." Uh-huh. I'm like, "What's crack? What is that?" Uh-huh. And she told me, and and um, you know, I was like, "All right, whatever, sure, I'll take it." Were you already pretty pretty banged up at the point? That night, and yeah. you were looking. Oh, you were yeah, in yeah. the middle of that. Uh, yeah. We need more face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had no clue uh, how to how to what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so she she busts out her pipe and she's showing us how to how to do everything. And <laughs> and and that the first the first few times that that I smoked crack. Yeah, was kind of like the first few times that I did coke. It was like this is awesome. Uh-huh. I feel great. Uh huh. But man, it. Um, that drug goes downhill quick. It's a, for me, it did anyway. Did, it did for you. Yeah. What was yeah. the consequences of that like? Um. Well, first of all, we we. I mean, I always want more. Yeah. You know, well, of the want more, and that crack, stuff goes crack so quick. Crack seems to hit a coke hits a certain spot in the brain. Yeah. You know, and smoking cocaine hits a totally different spot in the brain. Yeah. But it's the same. And it's such a a fast high. Yeah, that for me, you know, and I know other people that w- that would would take a hit, mm-hmm. take a couple hits, and then they'd be good for five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes. Not me. I was like, you're just going boom, 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 and it goes so quick, and then, um, and then I got to get more. So you're stuck. Yeah, yeah. And and the consequences were were pretty quick. I mean, I, um, well, I ended up marrying that that girl. Mm-hmm. Um. We had a couple kids, but so I ended up marrying her, and we got an apartment together. No, pro- are you done with the military at this point? No, You're I was still in the I military. Was, I was okay. still in, yeah. Okay, and um, but things went downhill really. This was like the last six months that I was in, mm-hmm. uh, so I knew I was getting out, mm-hmm. uh, and we we were doing a lot of partying, and and uh, um, I forgot where I was going with this. You're talking about your marriage. You're talking about you were doing a lot of partying. I was asking about you still being in the military, and you were going to tell me some consequences. Oh, consequences, right? So, you know, uh, punctuality is very important yeah. in the military, and and so you got to show up to morning formation. And uh, being up all night smoking crack and not going to bed, showing up to morning formation is really hard. And and I was starting to miss morning formations, and they don't like that. Mm-mm. And so I got busted in rank. They took money away, and you know. And that was that was real consequences for me, big time. Yeah, yeah. That hits your ego. That hits your spirit. That yeah. For me, the cocaine with the negative self talk, the shit you start. You know, when you're up, you're up. You're the king of the fucking world. But yeah. when you're down, the shit that I was saying to myself, walking back and forth, um, was horrendous. It was like yeah. it was like you know, they talk about Doctor Jekyll. Jekyll and Mr. And, and Mr. Hyde, but I was both having the conversation with myself all the time. It was it was gnarly. Yeah. Very gnarly. And uh 
you know, for me, um, I said it went downhill really quick, but, um, so I got out of the Marine Corps, um, and we were still partying and, uh, and then from there it was just, you had done your time and it was the right time and well, you know, I was still using drugs. Yeah. And, and so basically I chose drugs over the Marine Corps. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. And, uh, and then, and then we were homeless within three months Mm -hmm. after I got out in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, we were living. We had a little uh, Suzuki Samurai, like a little. It goes it's downhill. It's a box. It and goes, we were living inside this thing. That goes downhill so fast. Yeah, yeah. I can see what you're saying, where there's all this guilt and shame attached to it. Yeah, you know. But you know, we've already gotten the spoiler alert of what your life's like today. You know, that's the positive thing um, yeah. that we in recovery know about. Um, the power. Vince always talks about the power of recovery and the power of community oh, and yeah. stuff like that. So. So being homeless at this point of your story, are you starting to think, you obviously know you have an issue. Oh, yeah. You know you have a problem. Yeah. Uh, are you seeking help, advice, or you just don't give? We were just in it. You were just in it. Yeah. I don't I don't think there was any thought of uh, how can we get out of this. It, you know, it was a constant um, battle to get money. Yeah. You know, like, how do you get money? How, how do we... And all day long, you do that. All night long, you do that. Every hit. Yeah, it, and yeah. it's not... There wasn't a point where I was like, man, like, what the fuck just happened to us? Yeah. And you're drinking throughout this, too. Oh, yeah. Like, crazy. Yeah. Because alcohol probably has almost next to no effect on you. And then... Even though it does. Well... But in your mindset at the time, when for, you're... When for you're, me, when I come down off crack, I feel like, like I want to die. Yeah. So I have to drink. Yeah, right. You know? Absolutely. So... Absolutely. So yeah, there was heavy drinking going on at the time too. How do you get out of this? So my wife got pregnant, mm-hmm. and uh, her parents lived there in Hawaii, and uh, they, well, we moved back here. Actually, that's that's mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. Somehow they helped us. You know, they they got us through that. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, okay, well, we need to come up with something for you guys to do, and and so I said we can go back to New York. And, uh, you know, I talk about, I talk about this a lot. That's um, a crazy miracle, brother. Yeah. There's well, a, there's an unexplained miracle that you, you know, there, I don't know if you're a higher power per, I don't know where you're at. I'm not going to make any assumptions, but for me, there's some kind of weird grace in that situation. That's almost unexplainable. One minute you're homeless in Hawaii and then and somehow you're back here. I'm not saying yeah. you're sober or anything like that. Oh, definitely not sober. Um, yeah, I mean it's amazing. I don't right? really know how it happened, uh, but it was it was definitely um, a miracle. I say a miracle that that my daughter was that she, my wife got pregnant with my daughter. That's what I'm saying. And talk about being I have talk my, about my, being scared. My son was born when I was uh, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I identify with the miracle of it, even though um, it was a decision that we made on purpose, you know, um, but um, but it was also like, we, you know, I was like, do you want to have a baby? And she's like, yeah. And it's like a month later, it's like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and um, and my son was such a miracle to us. Um, 
but I, I, I'd love to tell the part of the story where, you know, um, that, you know, being a good father was his motivation to stop drinking or, you know, but the truth is, you know, even the night he was born, I spent most of the night in my fucking pickup truck in the fucking hospital parking lot drinking. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, it took me a long time to get sober after yeah. that. And there's a lot of guilt and shame and remorse attached to that, but it's all bullshit because now as a man in recovery, I get to be there you know, fully there for him as a father now. Mm-hmm. Um, now he even talked, I brought him on the podcast to co-host one time and he talked and I asked him what it was like having a father in recovery, you know, and he talks about, which is inc- incredible. That's a, that's a good idea. It's incredible, bro. So, um, I, before we get back to my story, I'll tell yeah. you. So yeah. I, my, I have a nine year old daughter, right? And so I'm at home mm-hmm. working on my podcast and she goes, Oh, I want to do it. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I started a second podcast with my daughter, uh-huh. and it's called the Dad and Ellie Podcast. Wonderful. We have two episodes right now, and our our second episode was we talked about dessert. Yeah, it is awesome. It it's was probably so much. Be- it might be even better than the other podcast. Who knows? This it was good. so much fun, right? You know, and and uh, she's she's a natural. She's uh-huh. like sitting there talking to me about mm-hmm. it. And it was great. Yeah. Is so. this is this that daughter? No. Okay, so you have many children. I have three. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my my first daughter, she was born in ninety nine, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I don't know if I should say this or not, but because <laughs> it's you know there's a there's a ton of guilt and shame and, and yeah. it, it's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. What I, I did. Understand. It's disgusting the things that I've done. Like my wife and I were smoking crack when she was pregnant. Yeah. You know, and and we never thought of. It was like that's the power of addiction with that shit for me. That's what I'm it's saying. Like, I, I you're not. I want to say that I love my son and my wife more than I love drugs, right? Yeah. But inactive alcoholism, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing no, else. I, I I couldn't prove that in a court of law. Yeah. I could certainly prove that I prioritize my addiction over everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. All my morals, my principles, the things I thought that were important to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, cocaine and alcohol was my master, and I had fucking pfft, surrendered. Yeah, absolutely. You know, nothing else mattered. No, there's nothing you could do about that. Yeah, love was something you said. It was something you felt it. Of course you felt, but you know what I mean. And 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 I appreciate so much your candidness and your honesty because my experience with this podcast is there's always one person. There's always one person that needs to hear something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I mean, it helps. I think it helps me more than anybody else because being honest like that with with the details that are disgusting, that I find disgusting and mm-hmm. embarrassing and and shameful. Shameful. Um, I've always hidden shit my entire life. If right. I, if I continue to hide things, mm-hmm. even things that I've done in the past, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. No. And they say there's this uh, there's this saying shame can't survive the light, which means if I bring stuff to the light. Uh, right. I'm more likely to get over it. Right. There's no shame in, in saying things and admitting that I've done things. Uh, you know. I I like the part in this program where it talks about the darkest parts of our past is the exact tool that's needed to help someone else recover. Yeah. And that's you know not the exact quote, but that's how I take it. Yeah. The worst parts of my story that I don't put on here that you know out of respect to other people that I love tremendously and stuff like that, stuff like that. But when I'm working one on one with a sponsee. It's the exact tool that I have. When they're reading their fifth step to yeah. you, or so, it's, it is the exact thing that we can Well, that's what they tell you about. about working with a sponsee is that um, I shouldn't give advice. I should just tell them what I went through and, and you know, yeah. 
how I can relate. Maybe yeah. they can relate to my story. So you're right. You're exactly right. I've never heard it like that, that our past is, is the greatest tool that we have. But yeah. that's true. It is true. You know, use my experience um, to hopefully get through to somebody. Yeah. So where do we go from here, brother? I mean, um, how many more years of the fucking merry-go-round are you stuck in? Oh, this is this is just the beginning. Right. Oh, yeah. It's 1999. My daughter's... Uh, so a couple big things happened in 99. Um, my sister committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's 24 years. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Tomorrow's 24 years ago that, she, that that happened. Um, and then five days later, my daughter's born. Mm-hmm. So talk about a whirlwind of, uh, of fucking emotions and craziness. And, yeah. Uh, a hole in your soul. Yeah. It was just craziness. Yeah. So. I'm sorry to hear that, brother. I don't know. If, I don't think those type of losses we're supposed to get over. I mean, you learn to live. Yeah. But, yeah. you know. Um, And then I joined the Army. <laughs> what? Yeah. Get the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, you know, my wife My wife at the time was a military brat, uh-huh. so meaning her family was yeah, in the yeah, military yeah. I, for a I know the term, and, yeah. Um, so she was like, yeah, why, why don't you just go back in the military? Because you got stability in a uh-huh. job. Uh-huh. You got benefits. You got you free housing. You are trained to do yeah. things that are best served in the military. Yeah, yeah. So what job are you looking for in the Army? Pretty much, well, I, I was looking... I was looking just to get in there. Yeah, um, it didn't matter. And so they gave me pretty much the same exact job that I had in the Marine Corps. Incredible. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't. And the interesting thing is, I didn't have to go to Army boot camp. No. I didn't have to go to any kind of military school. They just sent me straight down to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, mm-hmm. with no uniforms, mm-hmm. no instructions. I'm like, I don't even know how to. I don't have a uniform, and if I did, I don't. I wouldn't know how to wear it. Right. So it was pretty interesting. It was a, it, it was a crazy time, but um. Uh, but I was excited to get back in the military because I, I really love the military life and I never really wanted to get out. Yeah. But drugs just it took over. That, it stole that from you. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that happens again. Yeah. I don't want, you know, jump, <laughs> jump six it's years okay. ahead. Hey, I can tell a lot of this is really, um, painful for you. Painful well, I love the military. Yeah. To this day, I love the military, and I, I, if they if they what do you mean? The draft, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? I love the military lifestyle. I love the structure. I love the training. You love what it represents. You love the principles. Oh, yeah. uh, you feel patriotic to this country. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you have respect for the men that came before you. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, because in, you, in, you, 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 you. Um, a lot of friends that have been in military. Um, my my stepfather was a major. Um, is you know, um, but there's a you have a uh, I don't want to say a patriot. There's a presence to you. Mm-hmm. That's not something that's hard to tell. You know, from you that you love uh, that you love you know your country. Mm-hmm. You, you know that you're a patriotic person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not I, everybody absolutely. is, and no, I don't no, hate no. people. I don't hate people that aren't. And I don't hate people that are. Both of those things are um, popular. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either supposed to be on one side or the other. But it's just evident um, who you are. You know. Yeah. I don't think you hide it. No. No. I don't try to at all. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I spent six years in the army, and you know, 
it's per, it's more of the same. You know, you, it's up, it's ups and downs. It's ups and downs. Yeah. It's not always. You have, you must. You, do you have a realization in your head that like, drinking's bad, but once the crack gets involved, we're in big trouble. That's exactly so you, where I was at. Yeah, yeah. So you're trying to stay away from that as best yep. as possible. Yep. But you treated yourself here and there. Right. But once I, once I, once I let that monster out of the bag, oh, it's yeah. hard to get him back in there, man. Do you, you ever know? hear this one? Um, it's like having sex with a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. It's it's over when yeah. the gorilla says it's over. Right. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. over when the gorilla says so. So no matter how good I could be doing, uh-huh. whatever it is I was doing, when those cravings started, mm-hmm. I, I had no defense. I had no, no tool to no. fight them. Neither would I. Yeah. No. So, no. Um, so it was a lot of ups and downs, you know, we'd get back into it for a little while and then, and then something would happen. We'd move on base and get base housing. And that was great for a while. Any 12 step in this, any, any, you knew about it, but it never, I didn't know. No rehab. I never knew. No, no rehabs. No. So there's a rehab. Let me think about this. No military appointed, uh, drug counseling. Nothing like this. The only time is, is, uh, when I'm just about to get out of the army. Okay. They sent me to a rehab on base. Okay. So. But before that, um, I wanted to go Special Forces. I wanted to be a Green Beret. Wow. And so... Well, a man that can run 100 miles? Well, back then, I didn't even know about the 100 miles. Okay, gotcha. It was none none of that going on You like to push yourself physically, mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're into it. And so, actually, um, when I was stationed in Alaska, one of the guys that I was running with, um, there's there's a race called the Army 10-Miler in in Washington, D.C., and each, each base has puts together an army 10 mile team and so if you're on the team they send you to washington to run that race and so i was on that team at fort campbell mm-hmm. for a couple of years i was on that team in alaska for a couple of years and one of the guys in alaska was getting ready to move to fort bragg north carolina to go to sfas mm-hmm. to go to be a green beret and i didn't know anything about it and i started talking to him and i was like damn i want to do that that's what I want to yeah. do. Like, I don't want to do this fucking accounting shit. That is not for me. Like, you I want to be the that. most elite. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And, and, uh, and which also means you're willing to die for your country. You want to serve your country on the yeah. highest level. Yeah. 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 Yep. And so I went, uh, I went to selection and, and, um, I, you know, it's a selection is a three week school where they kick your ass pretty much. And then, and then, you know, you can get voted out <laughs> yeah. by your peers. And yeah. anyway, I was selected at the end to go through the Q course, the qualification mm-hmm. course, which is like a year, year and a half. Um, and I got I got to phase three, and there's five phases. Mm-hmm. I got to phase three, and, and um, uh, the craving started again, and that was that. Fuck. And that was that. And that devastates you. Yeah. It devastates That's, you. Yeah. Cause that, That's I, a bottom for you. Oh yeah, I, I, I always say that I was supposed to be a green beret. I was supposed to go down this road, and fucking drugs and alcohol took me down, took me away from that. Do you and, know, you know people say? Do you know that's a lie at this point in your recovery? I know because what you're supposed to be is a fantastic father, a man in recovery. What I'm supposed to be is where I am right house, now, a guy right. with a podcast. Yeah, right. Um, right, but it just kills me that I never got I'm to live sure, that life. Brother. Like I wanted I'm that sure. fucking life. I'm sure. You know? Yeah. And it's still, yeah. it's still. Yeah, it's still hard. It's all over. You, yeah. you, you can hear it in your voice and yeah. your soul. Um, yeah. You know, but you're a great man. You're the man you're supposed to be. I mean, that's just not hard to tell. Yeah. Sorry if I'm being presumptuous, but yeah. that's just not hard to tell. Yeah. So, I am sorry that that happened to you. I mean, yeah. you know. But most difficult part of my life. 
What, really? <laughs> show, yeah. So that's the bottom, or that's no, one of them? That's not even the bottom. Yeah, no. but it's a spiritual low. Yeah, 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 for sure. That that's something that um, it's a spot I struggled with for a long time. Long time. And, yeah, yeah. So and and at that point, um, so there's no other nice way to say it. I got kicked out of the out of the military. You mm-hmm. know, I popped in a piss test, mm-hmm. um, and and they they booted me. You know sucks to say it like that but that's exactly what happened and then um my wife at the time says uh well you're getting out of the military you're not gonna why do i want to stay with you right mm. like a knife in the fucking back you know yeah, because she's a military brat yeah. yeah yeah so she took she uh and she's one of us she took yeah she took my kids back to hawaii mm-hmm. uh and i was and i stayed there in fayetteville north carolina and uh, it was kind of a shit show for a while, for a couple of years. You know, I was just working, you know, um, partying a lot. And uh, get I got a couple DUIs down there. And it was just a big, it was a shit show. Were you actually out partying or were you partying alone or a little of both? Um, well, not out partying, no. I was, no. I worked at, I, I had my little group. So I worked at this yeah. pizza shop, right? Yeah. And some of the guys in the pizza shop were into Coke. And so... That was pretty much my life. Yeah, yeah. That pizza shop and that water, coke and drinking. Water and, seeks its own level. Yeah. You found a crew. Yeah, yeah. And so that was it for a couple of years, and uh, uh, and then what got me out of that um, was the grandparents in Hawaii mm-hmm. filed for full custody of my kids, mm-hmm. and I'm like, so I got that paperwork, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, where's where's uh, my wife? Like, where's she? Oh, she's on drugs again. And they kicked her out. Fuck. So so when they filed for full custody, I was like, not having it. I'm like, nope, that's it. So what I did was I moved back up. I moved from North Carolina back up here uh, to, to Broad Alban, lived with my, with my dad, and fought for custody. And, uh, and, and really turned everything around at that point. But um, not with the program, not with the 12 no. steps, not with... It was kind of like so, I'm going to show these motherfuckers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, you, yeah was, would, you know, self will. Yeah. But good family, you know. Yeah. I mean, surrounded by my family and and, uh, um, you know, so so I uh, ended up buying a house in Broad Auburn, ended mm-hmm. up going to college with the GI Bill, um, and then my dad and I flew to back and forth to Hawaii three times, wow. and I won custody. Yeah. So. Yeah. That you still have today? Well, they're they're twenty three and twenty four now, wow. so that's over. But yeah, I I had custody the whole time. Yeah, and they were four and five at the time, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And you stay sober from that? No oh, way. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. How do we get to now, brother? A long, long road. Yeah. So for me, a lot of this is. Uh, when I'm when I'm alone, like when I'm by myself, yeah. there's this sneaky conniving oh, kind of side yeah. of me that like, oh, what can I get myself in trouble? I, what can I do now? Yeah. What can I do and and try to get away with it? Yeah, right. And so a lot of that was going on. So part of the custody deal was the summers the kids would go back to Hawaii to stay with their grandparents. So I was alone during the summers. Mm-hmm. So the summers were a complete fucking wreck for me. I. I oh, I would man. go start smoking crack again. Did you feel like a fucking jack in the box? Yeah, like the I, I always talk about this. Like I was, you know, I'm trying to. I always thought I could wait till my son was 18 
And then when he turned 18, I could just bug the fuck out. You know, just like you know, go on dead tour and be and be homeless and, and whatever, just smoke yeah. crack and fucking do insane amounts of psychedelic. And you know, so I always felt like this jack in the box feeling. Like I knew, I knew that you know I was gonna pop out and I couldn't control myself. And weird things would happen. I got run over by cars. I'd get arrested. You know, every now and then the jack would come out of the box. And you know, yeah. Spoiler alert: I never made it to him being eighteen before. You know, I was just. In that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization that, you know, finally yeah. led me to where we could sit on a Thursday afternoon and have cool conversations about <laughs> recovery and running and stuff. It's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. So that went on for a number of years where you um, did your best. Did yeah, That's one way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there was you a lot to of... protect your drinking. You yeah. tried to... Yeah. I, and, and at this point, I knew. I mean, I had known for a long yeah, time. That I can't know. use that fucking drug. I just got to mm-hmm. stay away from that. But it just kept coming back, and I had no, mm-hmm. like I said, I have, I had no defense against it. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of times in that period where, any and other, that was like a five year period. Any um, other drugs? No, not an opiates. It's not part of your story. Not yet. It not, gets there. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Had opiates come into the picture. Uh, injury, injury. Yeah. Yep. Um, but my, so my current wife, um, she had, she had some, uh, she had some pills and, and it was for her back. She had nerve damage mm-hmm. and long story short, I ended up stealing them all. And, and, and it, it there's a lot to this. Um, sure. I found them in, I found them in an apartment that I was in her apartment when I was staying there by myself and mm-hmm. and I was smoking crack at the same time and then I thought, oh, let me snort these pills and that'll help me go to sleep. Sure. And it was just it's off to the races combo. from there. It was just it was just off to the races. You developed you know? a habit quick. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. And um and that got ugly really quick. Um so yeah. You're a fucking miracle. <laughs> this is so awesome. I mean, I know we're spending a lot of time in your war story, and I would, I, I, you know, I, I mean, um, I, I really want to know about how recovery comes into your life. But I just, you're a fucking miracle, brother. It's so awesome that you're alive. You have so much to offer this world. You know, it's it's crazy. It's um, you know, how many people you hear overdosing on opiates? That's what I'm today, saying, right? Yeah. And and I, so let me just tell you this one quick uh, section. I'm in no right? rush. I just, you know, I'm just letting you know how. So before I am. my my youngest daughter was born mm-hmm. i bought this house in in boysville and and uh um it was good for a while and then my drinking got really really bad and i and i ended up being there by myself everyone had moved out mm-hmm. my wife had moved out uh, with our with our new do- with our new baby my two oldest kids had moved out um actually before my son moved out he was there and one morning he's walking out of the garage door and he goes to push the button and he, he cuts his hand, uh, gets it caught on the track mm-hmm. and slices all four tendons. And he comes running upstairs and uh, anyway, so so we go to the, we go to the hospital and and uh, they sew him up and they and they give him this huge bottle of Percocet mm-hmm. and uh, he was like I don't want that I'm not taking that stuff and you know he's like six, at the time? 15, 16. Okay, so he was like I don't want that. He stuff. knew the mess. He knew what yeah. he knew what that shit was. And I'm like I'll take that. Yeah. I didn't say that, of mm-hmm. course, but I'm, I'm like, let's just take it. You might need it. You might need it. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. I knew exactly what I was doing. and Yeah, you were interested in the Tylenol. Yeah, and so... Yeah. <laughs> so much fucking yeah. Tylenol. And, and, and how I made it through the next 
six or nine months, maybe even year, because we kept going back to the doctor and they mm -hmm. kept refilling it and mm -hmm. refilling it and refilling it. And every single one of those pills went up my nose, man. Yeah. And how did I not die? You listen. How? I mean, I'm, I'm snorting two, three, four percent at a night. How do you... And drinking a bottle of whiskey. How do you deal with what happens to our noses? Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. The chunk... I mean, you just... The chunks of your brain that you see, and, you know, and, and this one plugs off in the pain. Actually, no one talks about how much it fucking hurts when you're not high. Yeah. Your fucking <laughs> nose is literally falling off your face. Yeah. My face just always felt like it was like, what the... Like, Yeah, what are you doing I, to me? Yeah, why? Yeah. Um. So... Oof. Yeah. For me, for me, my combo was uh, I loved ketamine with Coke, which I would imagine, you know, is. I don't know what ketamine is. It's a, it's a disassociative. It's, it's really, um, you know, they use it for um, anesthetics and for surgeries. And now there's a lot of research behind giving it to veterans for PTSD. But I used mm. it because it made me not me. Yeah. And that was very appealing. Well, that's anything for for me. That was anything. Anything I could get my hands on that would take me out of me. Yeah, that's what I wanted, and I wanted more right. of it right. right away. You know, so that could be anything. It just yeah. happened to be that you know, uh, it was coke and then crack and then pills for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, luckily heroin never came into the into. The, well, it did once. It's I used heroin thing. once. It's the same. thing. But uh, luckily, that never came into the picture because you would have abused that too. I don't know if your body really knows the difference between what opiates. Oh, if yeah. your opiate receptors really know, um, you know, because probably the amounts of Percocets you were going through is probably ungodly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So how? What? What? How? How? How does a man like this recover? Um. I mean, my honest answer is I don't know. You don't know. No. So my last day, my last day of drinking was uh, September 5th, 2018, and uh, it was my daughter's... <laughs> <laughs> come on. Yeah. We got, I mean, come on. Well, I don't know if I can... That's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. And and so I'll never the forget that knew day. that was coming. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'll never forget that yeah. day yeah. because it was my my youngest daughter's first day of kindergarten orientation. Mm -hmm. And she was so excited to ride the bus and to go to orientation. And we didn't live together. Mm -hmm. I lived in Boyceville and they had bought a house. And so uh, I was meeting them at the bus stop at 8, eight o'clock in the morning um, to get her on the bus and then to go to school with her yeah. and her mom, uh, you know, for this whole orientation yeah. thing and – and I show up drunk and high on Percocet mm -hmm. at 8, 8 o'clock in the morning, like fucked up, right? Um, and they didn't know it. I don't know how. I guess the Percocet kind of straight, straightens me sure. out, you know, but. We have a weird way of sobering up and like cops sober me up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to her school. Yeah. Stay for like 45 minutes, maybe, mm -hmm. if that. I don't remember. Uh, and then go home. Mm -hmm. And. And continue drinking, and and uh, and it's a blackout from there. So I blackout. Um, and honestly, I didn't remember any of this. I don't remember a lot of it. You know, it's like now it's starting to come back just a little bit. It's I like can, a weird, yeah. You yeah. pull little bits of it, and you're like, is that actually a memory? Am I now inventing right parts of this story? But my wife is a big part of it, and she could she would tell me she'll what, verify the parts. Yeah, that are true. So apparently, I I 
you know, I was at home really hammered and I called Ulster County hotline mm -hmm. and this guy, uh, found, found a bed in the Sunrise House in Lafayette, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he did this. I don't know if he had help with other people. I don't know. 12 step in his heart. Yeah. Something. So, so he gets a bed for me mm -hmm. and then he calls my wife mm -hmm. and says, go get him and bring him here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because I was going to drive. I was going to drive myself. You wouldn't like, have made it. It was like a two-hour drive, two-and-a-half-hour drive, and, and he's like, no, 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 let me call your wife. And So yeah. so she picked a me up. A lot of us talk ourselves out of things. Yeah. But the rehab. Oh, I, I wouldn't. Oh, you're right. I would have stopped. I your brain would have took you out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My rehab that I went to was three minutes drive. Oh, yeah? And from, from the moment I agreed to the moment I went to rehab, you know, like the, the night before I agreed... And then, you know, I'd saved myself a couple beers for the morning. I never, ever had saved alcohol. <laughs> but I'd saved myself a couple beers. I rolled up a seven-gram joint. I found, like, I did some carpet crawling. I got, like, a big line of dirt and hair and lint. But there was something in there worth throwing up my nose. Yeah. Smoked seven-gram joint. Chugged a torpedo IPA. And chugged two fucking Sam Adams. Did a huge line of dirt. Get in the car with my sister and my wife to go to rehab. By the time I had gotten half a mile up the road, I was like, whoa, 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 this place is way too close. Like, can we go to McDonald's and get an Egg McMuffin? And they're like, oh, fuck, no. Yeah, yeah, you're you're reaching for something here to, to get yeah. out of this, right? I had already, my willingness was gone. I yeah. was, I'm ready to yeah. fly. Yep. You know. Well, luckily for me, I was in a blackout, and I yeah. don't remember any of it. And, right. And You're still in the blackout on your way to Lafayette? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that whole ride. Incredible. I don't remember that whole ride. What? Yeah. And um, there's there's God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. Yeah, there's grace there. I blew like a point three. Tell yeah. So that's what we do. Yeah, and um, and and so I say I don't know what happened because when whatever happened at my house by myself, whatever happened, you don't know how stuck it stuck with me. Yeah, and because all through rehab, it wasn't like man, I don't want to fucking be here. I just want to go home. It wasn't like that at all. It was like so. Let me tell you this one thing that happened in rehab after detox. Five so days say, of detox. Real quick. So when you say it wasn't like that, you're saying you had willingness? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like an obsession had been lifted? Like you were giving yourself a shot? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, you were Like saying, never before. Like never... Yeah. Like always... Like when you're talking about... Um, like true conviction. Yeah. Like this is what I want to do. I, I don't give a shit about anything else. Any lengths. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was in detox for five days. They walked me down to... Um, uh, down to the other area. Yeah. I, I forget what they call it. But anyway, um, so my my counselor comes in and um, and he said... Uh, this is in rehab? Yeah, You're yeah. talking about... Yeah, yep. Okay. And he said, look, I talked to your work. I mm -hmm. talked to your... Your job is fine. Um, it's secure. This is covered... This is all covered by insurance. Awesome. Yeah. And it, it was like uh, this fucking weight came off my shoulders and it was like... Thank you, God. Now I can just stay here and and work on my on this. It's just like, do this and like, not. I didn't have to worry about anything else. And it yeah. was such a huge weight lifted yeah. off. It was such a relief. It was. I can't even explain it. It was uh, just it, for me. You want to see? This is what I equated to. At some point, someone said something to me like, "Just so you know, your wife's sleeping better tonight. Your mom's fucking sleeping tonight for the first time in years." You yeah, know, I've heard that. Yeah, blah blah. So when I really internalized that, I'm like, and there's food everywhere. And I was like <laughs> emaciated. Like yeah. I was fucking, you know, I'm 230 now. I was at least 50 something pounds less then. 
because um, I, I couldn't eat when I was on drugs. Just four days without eating and then just whatever. But anyways, the feeling I'm trying to describe is it was like a child in Disney World. I, lo- I had such an incredible experience. I started sitting up in my chair at rehab. I started paying attention. Yeah. I was getting a free education. When it was time to go to the gym, I went to the gym. When it was time to do yoga with all the other weird drug addicts, I did yoga with I all mean, the I mean, you're explaining my, my experience in rehab right, right now. Everything yeah. that you just said was yeah. other than other than the weight. I lost 30 pounds in you Rio. lost weight. At yeah. the villa, they fanned you up, bro. They gave you Salisbury <laughs> steak. You could make peanut butter and jellies. Take oh, no, we had all room. kinds like of food. It, yeah. I ate a ton of food, but yeah. I just it wasn't ingesting a, a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine every yeah. single night yeah. and, and yeah. you know, three pizzas. And, yeah. you know, so. See, I, see, I, I couldn't eat. The, yeah. I, I wasn't doing open. I couldn't eat. I was hiding food. I was mm. taking entire I – I would I would send her to the bar – so she didn't have to deal with my ass. I would order a pizza. I would give my son two slices of pizza. I would hide the rest of the pizza underneath the garbage so that I could prove to her that I ate. Oh. Because she knew I wasn't eating. Hmm. Me not eating is a weird sign, dude. Yeah. You know. So anyway, so yeah, tell me a little more about um, about rehab and your willingness. Yeah, I mean, rehab was similar to what you were just talking about. I sat in the front row. Mm-hmm. I, I actually took notes. Like, they didn't yep. tell us to take notes, but I had a notebook, and I took notes. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and it, Was the 12-step involved? There? Yeah, yeah. They talked about uh, the 12-steps there. Oh, yeah. Mine, too. They brought in local local guys from uh, from AA groups, yeah. and they would talk to us. And and I remember— uh, Vince was one of the guys that came in and talked. Really? It was so good. No shit. Yeah. So well, see, I'm, in New Jersey, I didn't know anybody. When from there, I so. met him in real life afterwards, when I heard him speak at like my local home group, it was like f- for me, it was like seeing like a, like a, like a celebrity. Yeah. Like I, I didn't think that the people that came in to talk at the rehabs, like they were all Daryl Strawberries to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? These people were like, it was like they weren't real. Yeah. My experience wasn't real. It was too, you know. Well, similar, you know, these guys that came in from local AA groups to talk to us. Mm-hmm. They're talking about, I got three years sobriety, five years sobriety. I'm like, huh? Mm-hmm. How the fuck do you do that? Yeah. Like, how is that possible? Because yeah. you knew that they were like you. Because you know, like for me, like my brother doesn't drink. Mm-hmm. So if he said I had five years without a drink, that's not, doesn't, it's not even cool to me. You're not a drinker. You're yeah. not fucking like me. Like I was, oh, I was yeah, determined yeah. to drink every day for the rest of my life until death. I didn't go to rehab to stop drinking. I needed a break from drugs, mm-hmm. you know. So when people said shit like that, like, I haven't had a drink in five years, I'm like, I didn't even know that was going to be part of rehab. <laughs> I had to actually call my wife and explain that to her. I was like, hey, honey, I'm, like, if I'm going to try the sobriety thing, I guess, I guess, like, uh, I guess I'm not going to be drinking for a while. She's like, <laughs> she's like, shit, I didn't even, like, think about that part oh, really? of it. Like, yeah, we, we were that naive. We didn't yeah. realize that sobriety meant not drinking. Mm. It was just like, you know, get off the drugs, that's, idiot. That's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I did. It wasn't part of it, and um, you know. So, anyways, um, how long were you in there? Uh, Twenty-eight days. Yeah, they wanted to keep keep me for for longer. My insurance mm-hmm. approved me for another couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. Um, why did I not stay? I think it was. I don't know why I didn't stay. <laughs> it, it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like I said. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like I was the one that said. Um, I didn't like check myself out or anything. Right. You no, know, you my did wife. The 20, my wife was a part of it. Program. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. You know. You, and my counselor pretty much said, "We think you're. We think you're at a position where you can go home now. Like, 
you know, as long as you're going to go through with, like, um, as long as you're going to do what, what's... Uh, Did you go into a halfway house or you went back to your no, home? No, I went, went, went back, back to your home. I didn't go back to my home. Oh, wow. I okay. went to my wife's home. Okay. And that's where I live today. Right. Uh, because I didn't want to go back to that house and be alone because that would be a problem. That would have been a big Yeah, and problem. so my wife took all the alcohol out of her house and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, um, you know, the things that they suggested that we do... You go to a meeting the day that you get out. I was just going to ask that. Yeah. Did uh, you do that? I did. I went to Promises. That was my first meeting. Whoa. Yeah. That's a good one. And talk about is that uncomfortable. Okay. Holy was, shit. That was your first meeting yep. of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yep. Getting out of rehab. Describe that feeling to me. Uncomfortable. Really? If you've ever been to Promises, it's a bunch of old guys. Yeah. And they look really serious. Yeah. They look like mobsters. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? They and might I was like, <laughs> oh, man. I'm just going to sit here and not say anything. But uh-huh. but it went really well. And, mm-hmm. of course, they're really great guys. Oh, and they yeah. really, like, took me in. And and and, uh, and then from there, I started going to um, Sunrisers. Okay, stuff, yeah. When it was still around. Such a good one. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good one. So that was my home group for a couple years. So how, what, your meeting attendance in early sobriety, was, what was that like? Oh man, I didn't go back to work for another couple week or two weeks after. So I mm-hmm. was doing, and, and, you know, they said do 90, 90. I'm like, I'm going to do 190 yeah. in 90. And, uh-huh. and I went to two, sometimes three meetings a day mm-hmm. when, you know, before I went back to work. Were you getting relief from the meetings? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, um, I talk about this phenomenon that would happen to me that alcohol and drugs would do for me where I have this mind that just it's like that you know there's a hamster running so fast in the wheel and anytime i would you know alcohol stopped doing it for me after a while making the hamster so i'd have to like add a drug into the mix and there was by the end of my using i was using like literally uh drinking they like morning tonight i was going through like an eight ball every two days sometimes more at least a gram of k a night i was smoking dmt uh, if I would run out of Coke, I was eating like three or four tabs of acid, Molly, um, you know, lots of nitrous cartridges, yeah. fucking, there'd be times I'd be on six or seven, eight substances, you yeah. know, to get, the point is to try to quiet my brain down and in early recovery, and it wouldn't happen the whole meeting, right? But when I'd be in a meeting, there'd be a moment or maybe three minutes, or maybe someone's whole share, where my brain shut the fuck up. And I didn't even notice it until it started up again. And I was like, wait, whoa. I caught, I was calm for a second. Like, mm. And I started chasing that like a drug. Yeah, and it's all about practicing that, right? You're right. Practicing that, that calmness. Calm Dude, feels. you're a fucking miracle. You called yeah. me, like, you're yeah. a miracle. Well, thank you. I mean, to talk about that shit, and, and now you're sitting here doing a podcast. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it's a fucking miracle. I'm addicted to recovery. Yeah. I love addicts and alcoholics. I love um you know, and 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 you know, like you said, you know, part of this, part of this conversation, I get to stay sober tonight. Yeah. I get to go to bed. Yeah. You know, I get a real night's sleep. And I wake up and I go do my job. You know, but before that, I talk to a couple alcoholics on the phone. Like, and I love it. I I really do. You know, and I want to stay in that part of it where where I love it. Yeah. So, um, how do how do you you know what's um, so that's early recovery for you? Do you get a sponsor? Do you do the steps? Do you yeah. do any of those things? Oh yeah. I mean, I w- 
I was all in. Yeah. I mean, I was. <laughs> Sounds I was like your brother. I remember, Sounds like your brother. It's so good. I mean, I remember people in Sunrisers yeah. saying, uh, I forgot exactly what they yeah. said, but they basically said, you know, you, you've been all in since you came here, and you, yeah. we can tell. Like, You're on fire. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like this pink cloud no, thing that everybody no. talks about. I was like I had that determined to fucking stay sober, yeah. and I'll do whatever it takes. Whatever if that means I takes. have to come to this fucking meeting three times a day, that's what I'm going to do. I have to get a sponsor, so I got a sponsor. It took me a couple weeks, three, yeah. four weeks, maybe a month to get a sponsor because it's uncomfortable asking people when I'm not. Sure is. I went you know. sponsor shopping. I thought I had yeah. to get the most perfectest I'm looking for somebody that's like real cool and like yeah. fits in, but then everybody's like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. And ultimately, it really wasn't me that decided. It just kind of happened. The, my first sponsor, um, you know, I'm sure you know Mike O where he talks about oh, yeah. meeting, you know, this man that had a piece about him that like. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm going to ask Mike O to be my sponsor because he's got that piece about him. And I was like, mm. I had this feeling like he wouldn't take me on. So I don't want that rejection. Yeah. So I found a person that when they spoke, they spoke calm and peaceful. You know, so that was, mm. what, you know, I was like, whoa. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I still don't always know how to do that. I get very excited. <laughs> yeah. It's who you are, man. Right. That's okay. Right. Um, so that was what I was looking for in somebody. Do you know that last year um, I rode my motorcycle with Michael Shea uh -huh. and a bunch of his friends to Ohio for Did you go to Founders Day? We, we did. Oh, man. And it was, I mean, just the whole experience riding out there with those guys. Yeah. I'm gonna send. It was you, amazing. I'm gonna send you my favorite episode, and it's this it's this woman Lynette from Akron, Ohio, mm. and she had invited me to Founders Day this year. Now you know a place to stay and the whole nine. This year? No, yeah, yeah. it just happened. I yeah. missed it. But dude, you you want to hear an awesome story um, and a beautiful woman? I mean, AA taught her how to read. They mm. gave her her life, you know, in its entirety back, and her gratitude like shines. You know what amazes me so much about this program is how uh, people care about me. Yeah. How we care about each other. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. How you didn't have the experience of going back. So you've stayed sober since, right? Yeah. So I had the experience of going back out there. And let me tell you that there's a Sunday um, after I had relapsed and I shared it at my home group that I was 24 hours, count day, blah, blah. That Sunday before 2 o'clock, I had 21 phone calls from people checking out. Mm. Individual people. Check, I, the, my rehab called me to be like, hey, you know, come back in. Give yourself a break. Like, I was like, I was blown away by that. I was like, I didn't even know these people, like, gave a shit. Right, yeah. And to find out that they gave a shit. You know, I had all that shame. that Like, I let them all down. But I had 21 phone calls between 8 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock. Yeah. They didn't weren't treating me like I let them down. They were treating me like they were grateful I was alive. Somebody said to me, uh, we were talking about, about relapse, and we were talking about exactly this, about, yeah. you know, the shame and how do you people still take me back? And, and, and this guy said, that's, that's what we – relapse is what we do. We drink. Right. We're alcoholic. We're drug addicts. That's what we do. We drink and we use drugs. So – uh, there's no judgment. I mean, that's just <laughs> right. what you do, <laughs> right? That's you know, your, you know, that's what you know. Yeah, that's in on a cellular level. And once you start drinking, once you start using drugs, every cell in your body is screaming mm. for more. Oh yeah, every cell. Yep. And I will. And people don't understand that. Yeah. Well, I I won't even describe 
the real alcoholics and addicts that hear this know that feeling. Mm. But what I wouldn't do to continue using when I'm, when I'm active, you know, there's not anything. Yeah. So I mean, I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm I'm literally that's a that's a, you know we work on our fears. I'm terrified. I'm not you know I. I'm good today, thank God. Mm. You know what I'm saying. So. How does exercise and physical health come back into the picture? <laughs> I mean, exercise and health has always recovery. been there. It's really? always been. Oh, yeah. Even when you're using. Yeah. You know, um, it's crazy. It, to, to some extent. To some, to some extent. extent. Not, right. to, not to like how it is now. And, 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 you know, there were a lot of times, like in the military when I was using, mm-hmm. and then I'd, I'd start running again, and, mm-hmm. and somehow I would stop using and, and get really, like on the Army 10 mile team, I'd get back on the 10 mile team and, and, and stop using because, Incredible. because fitness came back into my life. And so, um, but now, so in rehab, they had a treadmill, and mm-hmm. I, ran, I ran every day when they would let me, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and I was starting to get back in shape. And so, uh, I, I, I think what got me into ultras was, uh, David Ultra marathons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. David Goggins, uh, is a former, former Navy SEAL and he wrote a book called can't hurt me. And he talks about, he tells his life story, which he grew up, you know, rough in a rough, uh, uh part of Buffalo. And, um, and he became a Navy SEAL and so really, really tough life. Uh, and then he started running ultras and it just got me thinking, like, I, I've been a runner my whole life. Like, I wonder if I can do that, you mm-hmm. know? And so 2019, I ran my first, my first ultra in the Catskills and, uh, what, well, how, like, and you said that was a 50 K? No, that was a uh, hundred K. That was a 62 miler. <laughs> on trails? I, I just jumped right into it. That no, was on the, trails? Or that no, was, that was, that was on, on road. road. That was on road. Yeah. And, and, you, and, and everybody. Do you uh, prefer trails? Oh yeah. Yeah. Everybody that I talk to now that's into ultras and and I tell them yeah I ran up a hundred k on the roads so they're like on they don't the want roads to do yeah because it's a lot of impact <laughs> on your knees and your oh, back oh yeah the roads are shoulders. terrible yeah, yeah and the trails is trails are so much softer and, and it's gorgeous. so much more fun and it's yeah. beautiful and you're out yeah 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 it's so much better yeah so and it was just from there it's just been if you lived here you would you run around this field oh for sure you'd be running oh yeah you'd be waking up yeah so what do you think i should wake up earlier in the morning is that a good way to get the day going i know i can are you a morning it. person oh yeah yeah me too i, I love the mornings it's, it's badass because no one else is up that's my special t- private yeah. time the weekends i get up earlier i don't know why i get up even <laughs> earlier on the weekends. i, lo- I so love the mornings excited. yeah yeah, yeah right and, yeah. and especially being sober now and not being hungover and I can get up and or I can not, have coffee like, and I can yeah. do whatever and, you know, it's just... I wake up. I don't come to. Yeah. I don't get by. I don't, you know, I wake up. Yeah. You know, I don't. I wake up before the alarm. I much prefer I, that. I, I don't want to be woken alarm. up. I do not want to be woken up. I can't up remember the last time I set an alarm. Yeah. The alarm's set, but um, I'm up before that. Yeah. And I love that. That's a gift. Yeah. That's an absolute gift. So, so yeah, what do you think? Should I get up early every day, an hour earlier? I, I mean, everybody... 20-minute run? Yeah, I'll... Yeah. yeah you, you, Nothing wrong with that? I would say get up early. What I would do is get up early, if uh-huh. you're a morning person. Get up uh-huh. early. and uh, and uh But you got to start the night before, dude. You got you to gotta lay out your stuff the night before. Get your, get your short... Whatever you're going to wear, your shorts, your shirt, your sweatshirt, whatever, your shoes, and lay it all out, right? Mm-hmm. Beforehand. The night before. Part of my That's part, part of my ten and eleven step. That is key uh-huh. because you're setting yourself up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm right making there. a I'm making a decision. Yeah, I'm making. So you a, get up in the morning. Your stuff's already right there, ready to go. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is put it on and get out the door. 
and that's the hardest part. If you can get out the door, you're going to do it. Just go, just go run a lap around the field, you know, and then, and then you got it done. That's it. Go on with your day. I can feel and good then tomorrow, about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't have to do it every day. I would recommend not doing it every day. If you're, if you're not a runner, do it every other day. Do it, start off with three times a week, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be something that you enjoy. Don't. Oh, I do enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? My like if you go out and in, sprint around the field, there's like a lumber it's gonna mill suck. over there. There's like <laughs> a know? lumber mill over there and then it, it's like a circle around the lumber mill. So I run through the field and I run over and I was loving it yeah. in October. I was doing it after awesome. work. And, um, but, um, you know, the cigarettes are killing me. Yeah. So, like, my, so I only have so much lung capacity right now. Because yeah. uh, I literally smoke 40, 48 cigarettes a day, which is whack. Yeah. It's mad whack. But I'm afraid of the weight gain. I'm playing a yeah. sick So So do something game, to, to replace it, you know. Okay. And exercise sounds yeah. like the perfect thing, you know. That's what I'm thinking. If you're... If you're so there, I mean, but you can replace it with a couple things. You can you can watch your diet and you can exercise, yeah. and those two yeah. things right there will stop what you're afraid of, which is gaining weight. Yeah, like I don't even care about losing weight. I just want to, uh, I just want to feel a little better. Mm-hmm. I just want to feel a little better. And you know, if you quit, if you can't quit, it's, it's gonna hurt. Can't quit. Can't quit smoking cigarettes. No, I'm powerless over nicotine, brother. Yeah, and I'm getting to the point where my life is unmanageable. There's only one way to do it. You know, there's gonna be a point. Where it's it got to be one day at a time. And that point is going to be like it could be a week, yeah. it could be two weeks, where yeah. you feel like shit because you're you're getting rid of my the, lungs. Will, yeah, right. I've, I had that experience. But if you can get over that period, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I I'll, I'll, I uh, last time I I took a three month break from smoking, it wasn't a big deal. Um, it was tough, but I had a lot of help, you know, from what what I believe in. Yeah. And, and I did it the same way. And um, but I did. People be like, "What? You fucking quit?" I'm like, "No." Like, but like, I had a friend at work, and it was two months into it, and he's like, um, "He's like, uh, let me get a cigarette." I'm like, oh, "I don't have any." So what do you mean you don't have any? He's like, "What? You quit?" I was like, "No." He's like, so what's going on? I was like, "Oh no, I just didn't bring any cigarettes to work." Goes, what do you even mean? <laughs> I was like, "I'm not smoking today." He goes, "Oh, you fucking quit." He's like, "No, I can't quit." Yeah. It's a drug for me. Well, you I'm not smoking today. You already know about worked. recovery. You've been in recovery yeah. from alcohol, so why can't yeah. you recover from, from cigarettes? I you have know? to apply the same programs. Yeah, exactly. So my brain is using this fear of uh, the weight gain. Mm-hmm. So, Which is an excuse. It's bullshit. Yeah. I'm so full of shit. <laughs> so full of shit. Yeah. So what is your advice? I think we're at a pretty decent place in your story. Unless you want to talk. Do you want to talk any more about the miracles of recovery? What I, I wanted to ask you a couple things. Sure. Um. How is milk with maple syrup? Oh. <laughs> oh, it's heaven. You like it, yeah. <coughs> so you it's like so drinking good. milk in your and because of how much you run, you can drink all that milk. I don't drink a lot of milk. No, I don't. But I, it's a I, treat. That's your treat. It is. I drink. Uh, I drink almond milk. I drink uh-huh. a shit ton of almond milk. I like the um, oat milk. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty too. good. So I take a protein shake at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, and I use almond milk for that. Uh huh. I have uh, my. Uh, in the morning when I go to work, I have a um, – so this is my routine, my eating routine okay. for the week. Yeah. Right? right I'll just tell you. So on Mondays, I'll stop at the store in the morning, and I'll get I'll get uh, spinach, um, bananas, strawberries, uh, blueberries, and almond milk. Mm-hmm. And that will be my shake. So I'll put that all in my blender at work, put some al- almond milk in it, and make a shake. Um, and and that's, that's my, my breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. And then at lunch – yeah. And then at lunch, I have my protein shake with mm-hmm. almond milk, and that's it. And, you know, I might snack on a couple peanuts 
mm-hmm. you know, little stuff here and there throughout the day, but that's pretty much all I eat until I get home at night. And you're getting enough calories that way throughout the day? You know, I haven't... Uh, I was worried about that. Yeah, you're not experiencing caloric. I got plenty caloric. of energy. I go yeah. running at lunch every you're day. You're not experiencing a caloric deficit. No. 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 I don't feel like it anyway. No. You know, I feel great. I have well, you would know. Tons of energy that much during the day. Doing that much stuff. Yeah. yeah. You would know. I mean, if I, if my run during the during uh, lunch was affected, I would know it, and I would have to change out yeah. to eat eat breakfast or something. But I feel great, so yeah. it's not like uh, every morning I eat uh, one egg because I got chickens and a keto wrap. A little cheese. Mm-hmm. That's my breakfast. That's great. And if I do well lately, the past couple of weeks, lunch, I've been packing my lunch. So, like keto bread, pepperoni, cheese, ham. Yeah. Uh, some peanuts, two fruits, and some popcorn. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's been good. good. <clears throat> that's been good. I just got to stay with There's a pizzeria up there. And the guys <laughs> are like, oh, we're going for breakfast sandwiches. So, you know, if I, you know, but a couple of weeks ago, I was eating. That breakfast I described to you. Then I was getting a bacon, egg, and cheese. Then I was getting a Philly cheesesteak for lunch. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, getting some crap diner food, AA stuff, you know, with the boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've cut out a lot of that, you know, eating out shit. So that's been good. I've been incorporating healthy habits, yeah. you know. So it's been good. What is your advice to someone in early recovery? What is one piece of advice that you think would be very helpful to someone? I mean, or any, or three, or whatever. I but. mean, for me, it's it's uh, it's this is a program of action, right? Mm-hmm. And and stick close to the program, you know. And, and um, this program was really uncomfortable for me in the beginning, but that's what that's what brings on the change. So if you really want the change in your life, which I wanted that change in my life, I didn't so want. Bad. I didn't want to go back to what I would. Mm-hmm. I love that saying: if I always do what I always did, I always get what I always got. Yeah, and that's true. So if, if I don't change the way I do things, his, my history is going to repeat itself. So, uh, and how do I do that? I go to meetings. I talk to my sponsor. I take, you know, uh, I go through the steps. I've been through the steps twice now, and uh, you know, I just stick close to the program and I talk to these people. And you know, Vince always says, if you want to stay sober, hang out with sober people, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. So. There's not really much to it. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not easy. Is it worth it? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. life's never been better. Yeah. It's amazing, you know, brother. There's There's been a lot of really good times in, in, in my life. but and Are you sponsored? Do you have a sponsor right now? In AA. In AA. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. And I know because the podcast is called The Unsponsored Athlete, and it's wonderful. And right yeah. now it's available on Apple Podcasts. I'm... Trying to it is. get oh, you to, to to put on Spotify because the Spotify it is. people it is. are going to love it. On Spotify. Oh, you did! Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So the the podcast is the unsponsored athlete, but you are a sponsored alcoholic. That's yeah. That's wonderful news yeah. for anyone else who is afraid about that. You wrote a book. I did write a book. It's a memoir. Yeah. Is it published? Not yet. Okay, um, so I'm excited for that. Please let me know about that. I would love to read that. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm still editing it. I sent it to an editor. He sent it back. I'm making changes, and uh, I'm hoping to get it published. Yeah. So. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it in, in a hardcover. I, you know. Unreal. And and I, I got to tell I, you, man, I want to buy a signed copy. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you that uh, writing a book was uh, it was like it was like a huge fourth step because uh-huh. re reliving all everything mm-hmm. it was it's pretty fucking detailed too. Um, Reliving all that stuff was mm-hmm. incredible. Which you did it a lot of here. It was so meditative. Yeah. Um, 
Therapeutic, maybe. That's yeah. the word. Cathartic? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Cathartic's it, a weird word, isn't it? I don't even... I don't know. It was therapeutic. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. You know, because uh, because not only did I um, put the details in there, but I followed it up with paragraphs of, like, how I felt and yeah. what I've done since then and how, yeah. you know, I worked in recovery into mm-hmm. it, too, and, like, it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I Who would have thought I, I would ever write a fucking book? I would have <laughs> yeah, never thought so. Yeah, this is so good. It's no. so... But, uh, you, you live an incredible life. Are you are you good with leaving it here? This has been such I'm, a thank you so much. Yeah, man, this has been such fun. An honest, candid experience. Yeah, and, I love uh, uh, I love the format here. Yeah. It's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing you on the road and 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 you know, hoping we can be friends. You can call yeah, me for, for sure. anything, Dude, brother. Absolutely. You yeah. know, thank you yeah. so much. We're gonna put a little. We're gonna should have a queued up better than that. Little outro situation. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. that gets a roadcaster pro 2 it's loaded with this funky jingy jam this is why i haven't been used but the hey anyways shout out to roadcaster shout out to roadcaster for giving me the freaking best thing ever shout outs to scott for an incredible story thank you to all of our listeners please um please the best absolute best thing you could do is to just keep on listening and share. And share it. Share it. If one of these stories touches your heart and you think someone else will benefit from it, please go ahead and share it with your friends. And we love you all. I have no idea what kind of podcast I'll be bringing you next week, but be excited for it because I'm excited for it. Yeah. And if you're listening right now and you want to come on the podcast. Yeah, reach out to us. Reach out, man. We, we can facilitate this on Zoom. I'll travel to you or I'll open up my home and my heart and we can uh, we can get this whole thing done. So enjoy the week. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Zeta. And we're out. <laughs>